Welcome to this new Triple V podcast episode, covering the most recent town hall. All right. Hi, guys. As you might have noticed, we are slowly reaping the benefits of growing our reach on Twitter. We have between 10 to 20 new Discord members every single day. The Twitter follower count is also steadily growing. And we also make sure that we keep Discord as well as Twitter free from any bots or anything which would load up the numbers without actually bringing engagement and value. And I know we have reminded you guys quite a few times now, but just another reminder that we will have the Nillion AMA on Tuesday at 5 p.m. And I highly, highly recommend to join the event live. We're going to take multiple snapshots of the listeners. And depending on how things play out going forward, the ones joining the AMA and being there live are at least going to have tips on whatever comes out of it. So again, please make sure you show up live. Um, I'm sure the recording is going to be super interesting as well. But um, arranging the AMA was already an achievement in itself by Ahmed. We, we've worked on this uh, for uh, quite a few weeks. And he has established a really good relationship with Nillian. And I have to really take my hats off to him. He has done an incredible job. And he has proven that he is a man of his word, that he has incredibly high integrity. And he has looked after VVV. And that was an incredibly honorable gesture. So thank you, Ahmed, in case you're listening. I very much appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate your continuous support for what we do. Um, a few logistical things, a little bit of housekeeping. I announced the Shark Mint today and how that's going to be arranged. Um, you guys will see throughout the next week. And I gave Helena all of the names for the respective whitelist spots for the Shark Mint. And we have... I believe about 100 people whitelisted for the Shark Mint. The thing which is very important to note is that the Shark Mint is going to be heavily oversubscribed. And there's a variety of different reasons. You will also be able to make sense of the reason why um, probably in about two weeks. So it's going to be literally the survival of the fittest. So whoever comes first through the through the shark mint is going to have the privilege to mint one of the very very few sharks which we will even make available to mint so the supply is going to be re re remaining super super low over the next 12 months um, as you guys have, might have seen over 90% have been voluntarily staked and um, there's probably not going to be a high chance that you will get a shark off secondary anytime soon, at least not for an affordable price. And the benefits of the shark is you know, going to become much, much more obvious in the next two or three weeks. 
And uh, Josh, Josh, Mr. Gunnar was kind enough to remind me that for the Nillion AMA, I highly advise to not just show up live, but also to change your Twitter PFP to a dolphin or if you own a shark or a whale to your respective PFP. Um, obviously, we need to be able to identify you as a member of our community. So with that out of the way, Christian, let me know if you are ready to roll. Yes, sir. Perfect. Then let's dive right into um, what we missed in the in last week's half hour. We were still discussing the lesson about Walt Disney. If you maybe for the, for the guys who haven't been listening, can you give us a brief, super short summary of the lesson about Walt Disney? Yes, absolutely. And um, just uh, before I begin, I wanted to put a um, pitch out again for these uh, homeworks all come from the academy. It's a wonderful place to learn and to grow your leadership skills, your um, really just life skills, and uh, to become more successful, um, to become more confident, uh, to really set goals that uh, can change your life. Um, and if you read the testimonials, you'll see how much of an impact it's had on me and others. I do want to encourage everyone we had, we've had a lot of great submissions and uh, we are very appreciative of everyone's uh, contribution. There've been a few submissions lately that were incredibly short um, where it was literally just answering the question in one or two words. Obviously if the question says one word, that's fine. But really the intention of this, uh, these homeworks and, and um, Sean, feel free to add in because I know this is your, your brainchild and, and your design. But my interpretation is this is really for you to dive in and see how it can affect your life and better your life and, and to compare it with things that you've seen, things, you know, ask questions about things you're struggling with in the lesson. So this isn't supposed to be like a pop quiz that's handed out in junior high school where it's, well, I, I read it so I can answer it. This is really meant to be something that you wrestle with and relate to. Um, and so, uh, you know, please give it a little bit more than just one or two words uh, for each question. The more you put into it, the more you're going to take out of it. And not just in doing the homework, but in us being able to work with you as mentors and really talk through it. And we gain from that. And, and so do you. So I, I just wanted to put a pitch out there for that. I didn't know if you had anything extra to add to that, Sean. Yes, it's a very good point. It's very important to answer all the questions in a, even in an overly lengthy way. The more expansive your answers are, the more you're going to actively think about the lesson and the question itself, and the more you're going to get out of it. And one thing which we have discussed in the previous alpha hours as well is, and I, I will you know, start this with a quote, and the quote goes, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if you treat the homework not seriously, and if you answer everything with as little effort as possible, I can already tell you what kind of a person you are and how you do other things in your life. And if that, you know, if that way of treat, treating things which are good to you or good for you 
is done in a sloppy way, then you know that's going to slowly pour into other areas of your life as well. And it, it's just not a good it's just not a good trait to have. And you know we will probably um, continue in a, maybe like twenty minutes with a lesson about Steve Ballmer, the CEO of Microsoft, and he says. If you do a job, then do a job. So there's no, you know, there's no sloppy way in which you do something. If you do it, then do it properly. And once you start adopting those traits, that's going to be incredibly beneficial to every single thing in your life. Like, you know, you have to really start doing the small things properly. And then it's eventually going to impact the big things you do as well. And especially the small things, the small steps every single day even if it's just very small accomplishments, if you do them in a specific way, then they will become more meaningful. And even if the, the thing itself does not have that much meaning, if you do it in a proper way and if you take things seriously, then you can give them meaning and you can also take more out of those things as you know, someone else. So just like with the homework, it's, not, it's no coincidence that the guys with the highest scores in the shark test are mainly students who perform very well on the homework. There's a high correlation here, even if it's not an obvious one, because none of the questions have anything to do with the material of the academy directly. But there's a very high correlation of how thing, excuse me, how people approach life and how much effort they put into certain areas. And you will also see amongst some of the top scores are also some of our most successful and most wealthy people. So, you know, it's really important to understand that everything in life is connected and that you should treat even the smallest things with a certain degree of importance. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, um, Sean. And And I know you've mentioned before, but um, Exec and I and Raigai, we we grade these homeworks in, on the back end and Sean is aware of, you know, everyone and how they're doing and, and how much effort they put into it. So we appreciate um, the more effort you put in, the more you get out of it, the more we get out of it. And um, it may affect things down the road too. So, um, so to jump into um, Walt Disney really quick, we're going to finish up um, this lesson talking with Sean about a couple of points that we didn't get to last time. Walt Disney is one of my favorite homeworks because it really shows the the work of a true visionary, someone who would not uh, release their dream no matter what uh, got in their way. And and the homework is really about the life story of, of Walt Disney, especially as he progressed into his professional life. It has lots of examples of um, things that he built or designed that then, for instance, his first character got um, stolen from him. Um, he took major risks in kind of groundbreaking animation and things, and some of them were successes, and some of them were um, at the time or initially kind of made fun of by, by folks. And, um, you know, he pushed through all of, uh, you know, basically going bankrupt, uh, trauma, losing his parents, and, uh, and made... Uh, the biggest or or one of the biggest uh, I, you can't even really call it an entertainment company it's just one of the biggest 
everything companies that that touches uh, aspects of of so many people's lives across the globe. So uh, he's he is a great example of of someone who just wouldn't take no for an answer and just kept innovating, building, and and dreaming uh, until it became a reality. And so much of it um, that I know uh, Sean has talked about in other Alpha Hours uh, reverberated past his his life. So, um, you know, he was aiming to build something that would change the world, not just, uh, you know, enrich himself and, and his family. Um, so uh, the, the question that we was the next one that we hadn't gotten to is one that I know you've talked about uh, before, Sean, but I'd like to hear more detail into how you think through and uh, you've talked some about the difference between just gambling risk-taking and investing risk-taking and Disney is a is a great example of someone who took huge risks uh, in you know paying up for these groundbreaking technologies and to be the first to market with certain uh, certain products how much of what you see in Disney was gambling how much of it was investing and, and how do you, as a CEO who's trying to build something innovative, how do you wrestle with that? Because the, these are big risks, uh, but they're calculated. So I, I'm interested to hear your, your mindset on that. Well, so in the case of Walt Disney, even the things which failed had a lot of intrinsic value for him as a person. So even if you lose the money, you're going to come out of that failure as a better man and as a better businessman. So even if something fails, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have failed. It usually, you know, and also this, a lot of this depends on your perspective. It also means that you have learned and the biggest learnings usually come from the times where you have been wrong. Otherwise, if there's no pain attached to something, it's very difficult to take it seriously. So all of your successes, of course, you, you learn from them, but it's just a, a pleasurable path, right? So the impact on your personality might be less than if you have to go through a streak of failures. Now, taking this to VVV, the, uh, this is a, an arrogant way of, of answering it, but I don't fail. So whatever I do, I always succeed. You know, my, my first company succeeded and, um, you know, VVV, I approached with the exact same confidence and I, I can't remember the last time I actually failed at something. So, you know, I started out as a freelancer and in my first year I made over $100,000 and, you know, with every single project I ever touched it, all of it, every single one turned into success even the most difficult ones, even ones where I, I maybe took on the client without actually knowing, you know, it's go check, maybe even without having the skill set to deliver what the client actually wants. But I always managed to deliver a success on every single thing. And the same thing with uh, VVV. Of course, there's always going to be like small things, you know, small features or things you might try out which then may not work, but none of these things, which, you know, where you might consider maybe trying something or to use a, a, a worse term to gamble, 
none of these are going to be things which could kill VVV. So as long as you are smart about how you take risks, then you know it's not that big of a deal. Then you know, of course, to a certain extent, this also comes down to sheer self-confidence in your ability to execute. Because what, and you know, I've said it before, I have a five and 10 year plan for VVV. And I'm not talking about it yet because it's going to sound ridiculous. And it's just going to sound, uh, you know, similarly as ridiculous as when Walt Disney said to the world that he is going to create an animated film which is going to make people cry. Because by that time, all the world knew was stupid animated films who were just good enough to make people laugh. So, you know, the, the sheer thought of, you know, something which by then has always only been uh, humor and for lighting people up to create something which could actually draw the audience in and then literally make them cry over something which isn't real. That, that was a concept which was unfathomable. So, you know, I'm doing the very same thing and I have very big plans for VVV. And for someone else, uh, if I would talk about the five and 10 year plan, it might sound risky, but I know, I know exactly what to do. I know how to do it. And I'm, you know, again, I don't, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I, I'm, you know, I'm so super, confident in my ability to execute and that's in my opinion that's the only way to to approach it if you have a leader who lacks confidence in, in their own ability or you know someone who someone who has doubts about the next steps or what he's doing or where things are moving that's not something you want to be let you know whoever's in charge has to have complete and utter confidence and the ability to succeed. And as you might know, the, the people who believe they succeed, they also are the ones who likely succeed. The people who expect to fail, they probably will also fail. So a lot of this is also framing and your own belief systems and turning those beliefs and affirmations into reality. And that's much easier done with, uh, with the right mindset. And of course, it also becomes much easier to become confident once you, like, if you continuously achieve every single milestone, then why wouldn't you be confident, right? Life is more or less a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you expect to fail, then the chances are you're going to fail. If you expect to succeed, then you're also more likely to succeed. And once you have succeeded enough times, then why would you even consider failing if all you do is deliver and succeed and do exactly the things which you say you would do. Yeah, I think that's that's an incredibly profound uh, paradigm shift, um, which I, I think must be the mark of, of really successful leaders of, of large companies is you cannot view things that come up as possible failures. You have to view them as challenges that not just can be overcome, but will be overcome. Um, and, I, and I think that's something that all of us could really take, a, take away 
um, from this because I've, I've, I've never really thought of it that way. But you're right. If you think of it as a potential, even a potential failure, you're letting into your mindset the possibility that this can stop you. Um, and it's very clear with Walt Disney that, I, I mean, I even had a question that now I, I won't really ask because it kind of ans- this answers it. Um, because the question was, could he have failed? And the answer is no, because he would not let that into his mindset. He was going to realize his dream no matter what. So anything that came up was just something that he could either learn from, get stronger from, or would put him on a slightly different pathway to the same end goal. So I, I think that's um, an incredibly great takeaway from from this lesson. Um I did want to ask uh, real quickly before we move on to the next lesson, um, Disney really, when I'm, like I mentioned, it's it's really become something way more than anybody I think could have envisioned. Maybe even Disney, although maybe not, there are companies totally outside of the, the entertainment or, Uh, family space who are bringing folks in from Disney and saying, how do you do what you do? How do we learn to treat customers the way you do? How do we learn to market the way you do every aspect of, of business? Is that something that uh, you dream of for VVV? And if so, how uh, like Disney is VVV or are there things that you hope for VVV to become that are different than how Disney does things for corporations or, or businesses or leadership? Well, the vision for VVV is to set a new standard about setting the right incentives and putting the right people in charge of the right things. And, you know, without going to my five and 10 year plan, which I have, I think, you know, using the concept which we have here and applying that to literally any business out in the world, that this, this that business is going to perform a hundred times better than how it's currently performing. It's, you know, and it goes way beyond that. It's not just businesses that there's, you know, you can adopt this to the educational system. You can apply this to society. All the world is, is, just a place where certain incentives are set in place. And then depending on how these incentives are structured, the business, the society, the community is either going to strive or it's going to go into a downward spiral. And what we see today in society is that all of the incentives, like literally all of them are set the exact opposite way of how they should be set. And that's why we are now in a downward spiral heading towards a depression and looking at, uh, you know, one or two plague swan events, which are not going to make life much more enjoyable on this planet. And I, I, you know, I don't want to be too negative, but my, my outlook on humanity as a whole and where things are going is not very positive. And, what I have planned over the next five to 10 years, that's going to, to to a degree, going to reverse that and set the foundation for 
you know, something even bigger than what we do now. And there's, you know, there's two hopes for society. One is the blockchain. And the other one, uh, people like Elon Musk, for, its, for example, where he makes it his life's mission to do the right things. And he, he takes on tremendous risks. And again, this is one guy who has already and always taken on insane amounts of risks because he had sheer and other confidence that he could make it work. You know, when he got, I don't know how much he got exactly, a couple hundred million dollars from selling PayPal. And he immediately put all of the money into his next project. And he was literally broke again. And this is a man who is driven by his passion and not by financials. And he is also a man who sets the incentives in the right way in his companies, where he is able to create a culture, which then, as a result of that, creates striving businesses. And it's, it's really men like that who will have a positive impact on the planet. And if there's enough people like him doing the right things at the right time with the right people around them, then there's still hope to turn things around and you know there's I, I don't want to get too political so let, let's just leave it at that <laughs> um quick question you can choose to answer this or not but will there ever be a vvv land <laughs> you mean like a, a physical land or what exactly yeah 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 so let me think about how to answer this without <laughs> giving too much away <laughs> The so, fact that you're debating it makes me excited. Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not debating it. I, I already made uh, you know, a variety of decisions. But le let me give you the argument. So you have a, a city in Dubai, right? Or you have the city Dubai. And that has been built in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the desert. And now it has become one of the most attractive places to live. And it's probably the safest place on the planet to live. It's, you know, you, you can drive an expensive car, you can leave your car unlocked, you can wear an expensive watch and no one is going to bother you. It, they have created something which probably most people on the earth would have agreed is impossible to do, building a futuristic, futuristic city in the middle of nowhere. So now Dubai has already done it. So, as, you know, as soon as someone does it or does something which has deemed to be impossible for the very first time, then everyone else is going to follow and is also going to do the same thing. And now we have Saudi Arabia who has deployed $500 billion to create something called Neom. And you really have to ask yourself, if they have so much money, why do they decide to build something from scratch, which is a gazillion times more expensive and costs way more effort and it's way more difficult to arrange. Why do they buy something worthless in the middle of nowhere and then go through all the hardship to create something from stretch when they could potentially buy real estate in the US or real estate in some other countries? Why do they decide to not go anywhere else but do their own thing? And this again goes to what I've been saying about society when, and I've been to a couple of major cities in the past few weeks if you go to london if you go to paris 
if you go, first of all, if you go to LA, I mean, you know, things are not looking, not looking good. If, you, if you're on the street and if you look at the people, all of them look unhealthy. There's so much poverty. Every city is dirty. It's, it's not safe. You don't feel safe. And it's, it's just none of these places are actually enjoyable to be there. Like even LA and California as a whole, with its, with its beauty, especially Malibu, I, I, I'm completely in love with the, the place itself, but you know, it's just horrendous, the, the homelessness and you know, they, they have entire city districts which are made up of tents. It's, the world is, in my opinion, to, to a degree falling apart and all of this has started uh, a long time ago. And uh, I'm a strong believer that there's no like evil power in place who's controlling everything and um, driving a secret agenda to control the population. Like all of the things which have happened are simply a result of 10, 20, 30 years of having the wrong incentives in place, rewarding the wrong behavior, rewarding the wrong people. And now we are at a point where we unfortunately reap the results of that. And that's one of the reasons or the main reason why the people with infinite money like Saudi Arabia, why they decide to do their own thing and to create something from scratch and not try to turn things around in any particular city, in any particular state or in any particular country. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was uh, a lot more than I expected. <laughs> So um, I was going to jump into the uh, Steve Ballmer homework, if that's uh, okay with you, Sean. Absolutely. And before we do that, I want to also make another point. Yeah. And this is, yeah. and I made this point while, <laughs> while the sound was gone. So <laughs> I got to make it a second time. You know, the main reason why the Academy is so incredibly powerful is something which I have learned from the book, How to Make Friends and Influence People. And in that book, Napoleon Hill talks about your own mastermind groups, but you do them in your head, in your imagination. And how this works is once you have studied certain successful people to, uh, you know, to a detail, then you will be able to guess very accurately which advice they would give you in certain situations. So if you have studied enough successful people and you're facing a problem in real life, then you, you can literally, and this sounds esoteric, but it, it truly works. You can literally, in your imagination, sit down with those people and you can ask them, what would you do? And then you're going to get advice and then you can simply act on that advice. And this is especially important for people who are just starting out, who do not have any powerful connections or any strong role models in their life. It's literally the single greatest hack to success. And, you know, to, to, to give you some, you know, a thought provoking statements. So how many millionaires did you talk to this week? And the answer is probably going to be zero 
or close to zero for the majority of the audience. And then the next question would be how many millionaires actually know that you exist? And the answer is probably going to be again, zero or close to zero. So if you do not know any millionaires, then by definition, you're most likely not knowing any successful people. So how on earth would you actually study or learn the traits and the mindset of successful people if no one, if none of those successful people even know that you exist and if none of them are willing to talk to you? So if they are not willing to talk to you specifically, then make it your mission to study their lives and how they acted. And that can sometimes be even more powerful than if they spoke to you, because depending on where you're currently at, if you were sitting, if you would be sitting across Walt Disney, for example, you wouldn't even know what to ask in order to get value out of it. And this is why the Academy is so powerful because we give you the specific people and we also give you the questions which you should consider to get the most out of studying them. And once you're through with the Academy, and I'm going to, to add the, the next lesson soon, but once you're going to get through the individual lessons, you're going to, your decision-making in all realms of life is going to be changed drastically. And you're also going to change you, your thought patterns and your behaviors and, and your habits. And then once you are in a position where you actually understand successful people, then you will also at some point in time attract successful people into your life. And you know, to, to answer the initial question from my perspective, and I don't mean this in a in a arrogant way or to show off or whatever. You know, all of this is again related to VVV and to what we do. I spoke to five millionaires this week and all of them have immense amounts of respect for what we do and all of them are interested. And I can't disclose what exactly we, we discuss, but, you know, if I wouldn't understand successful people, if I hadn't studied, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of successful people, then I, I, I wouldn't be able to even get their attention or, you know, be, um, be someone they could have a valuable conversation with. So, again, this is something which, is, which isn't taught anywhere else on the planet. This is not taught in any other university. And I think it's a shame because everyone even and again the you know the 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 community and the audience in vvb is obviously way more curated than in, in real life but even if you had the literally the average joe sitting in the academy even he would get something out of the academy because even if you do not have great ambitions for your life by getting a different perspective you're going to you're going to be able to just make more out of what you have or out of what you out of what you want and you will also realize that the things which you want currently might not even the things might not even be the things which you actually want these are just the things which society told you that you should have or these are you know if you have uh, certain goals then the goals you currently have are very very likely limited by whichever class ceiling the society or your socioeconomic environment has put in place. And it's only when you talk to other people where, you know, if they have done something which is uh, very impressive or if they have very bodacious goals, then all of a sudden that, that glass ceiling is going to break and you're going to be free to think without limitations. And I talk to a lot of people who are way more successful than me, but if I talk to them, and again, I, I don't mean this in a, in an arrogant way, I can't just, 
uh, phrase it differently, but you know, these guys thank me later for increasing their goals because I just think bigger. And I haven't, I maybe have achieved like 2% of, of what I want to achieve in my life. And, you know, again, VVV is my life's mission and we are literally just getting started. And I'm not saying this as a marketing gag or, you know, to whatever, create hype to, you know, for a secondary market or whatever. The, it's really a, a truthful statement. Like this, what we do currently is really only just the beginning. You guys just wait and see, wait until our investments pay off and, and wait until you see which kind of people we have attracted. And, you know, once we have the um, board of directors published and once we get started with the blockchain fund, you know, there's going to be many, many mind-blowing moves. That's for sure. Yeah, and I, I love the, the way you phrase that, knowing the right questions, because I think that's something that really didn't hit home until, for me, until I started doing lessons in the academy myself. And and knowing of, you know, so many of us, we know of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer and um, so many of the Tiger Woods um, and we just didn't know the questions to ask. So for me, and I'll tell them myself, you know, watching Tiger Woods um, grow and, and become this all-encompassing talent, I didn't take a lot of these lessons away from watching that happen. Uh, first of all, I, I did not really know enough about the background with his, his father and the mentorship. and But so much of it, it's easy to bypass because you say like, well, that's a golf superstar. He was probably born with amazing talent. And, you know, what does this have that relates to me? Like, yeah, you know, it, it comes down to, in my head at the time, it was like, I know practice is very important. I know hard work is very important. But that was kind of what, what it meant. I didn't get the more profound messages hidden deeper in and things that could relate to me directly until I saw the questions that needed to be asked. And, and that's uh, just to, to echo what you said, Sean, the looking at what you should take out of it is in many ways more important even than the lesson itself, because those questions can then be applied to just about any successful person you see and start asking you know, did they have mentorship? What did it take to get where they were? And I, I think that's something uh, as we move into the Steve Ballmer homework that's so important to, to see. There are parts of each of these lessons that challenge us in the ways that we prefer to see the world um, or, or in ways that make it more comfortable uh, for us to see success, right? It's... Um, everything is going to, you know, you do the right thing and the right thing's going to happen. You don't see the grind, the, the, um, the challenges, the, the traumas that these guys had to, to go through. And you don't see the tougher personality traits that it takes having in your tool, uh, tool chest, toolbox, tool belt to make it work. Um, so Steve, Steve Ballmer is really a, a, uh, to, for those of you who have not done the homework uh, yet or haven't gotten to, to it yet, Steve Ballmer is the ex-CEO of Microsoft, and he's giving a talk 
to students about how to be successful in life, how to be successful in leadership. And he's talking about some of the traits that it takes to, to do well and talking through really his experience, which was very eye opening because he talks about being worried and afraid and anxious, but then how he, uh, how he made it work, how he fought through those challenges. And one of the things that comes up, of course, every time we discuss um, the Steve Ballmer homework is this idea of what it means to be alpha. Um, and there's always varying degrees of discussions over what this has to do with the biology of wolves and whether this is only a male thing and whether this is, you know, well, you have to be both alpha and beta because you have to have all the the tool sets. Um, Sean, I, I think probably the, if, uh, if you agree, the best way to start a discussion on, on this would be to discuss what, what you think of as what alpha is, how it relates to all people and what uh, part of that, that term or that concept really can make us more successful in life in business and, and how we approach challenges. Well, first of all, every single individual listening has to get rid of whatever emotions or stereotypes you have attached to the word alpha. And, you know, every one of us has had some experiences in the past who might not have been pleasurable, i.e. a bully in school, for example, or someone at work not being nice. And the mistake most people make is that they confuse that behavior or those people with someone who is alpha. And an alpha is not someone who puts other people down. So, you know, we we might eventually have to use a a different word because it has been so heavily distorted what alpha really means. But an alpha, and I spoke to this with someone who has a tremendous amount more experience than me, a true alpha is not someone who is a loudmouth. A true alpha is someone who is extremely confident and who only talks or acts when there's a meaning to it or when it's necessary. So all of the loudmouth people which you know and which potentially offend you or trigger certain memories or certain emotions, these are not the true alphas. And it's very, very important to understand that because being an alpha does not necessarily mean that you have to be an asshole. Being an alpha means that you have the courage and the grit to make difficult decisions in difficult moments when the stakes are extremely high and that you stay cool under pressure. And being an alpha also means that you are a professional, that you do not get emotional depending on what happens or what other people say. It's To me, the term alpha is really a reflection of someone with sheer and utter confidence in his or her own own ability and also confidence in the values that person holds and an extremely strong character which cannot be compromised by external factors. And you see this, you know, to, to give you a, an, an example, which has been in the news lately. And this, again, you know, if you look at Elon Musk, for example, and how many people he fired from Twitter, there was 
an immense amount of bad press around that. And, you know, coincidentally, what Elon did really reminded me a lot of Neutron Check, which is one of our other academy lessons. And I can also tell you, and I don't know exactly, but I think he, he fired like 70% of employees. And I can tell you that Elon was kind when he only fired 70%. I know for sure 100% that he would, if, if public opinion wouldn't be that powerful and that detrimental to some things which he has planned, he would have fired 95% of people, even more. You know, someone as smart as him who, who does all those crazy things, he knows for sure that he doesn't need that many people to run that damn software company. So again, this is being alpha and an alpha might not always be as obvious from the way they look like or from the way they conduct themselves. There's, you know, there's some, some other traits of a person which might mask that someone actually has that confidence. Um, someone like Elon, who who maybe has, who didn't have the the time or the, the environment to develop some other traits, which and I don't mean this in a in a bad way, which would make him a, a normal person in the way he he speaks or attacks. You know, don't let that mask his like you know him being alpha because he literally is probably one of the biggest alphas out there. And again, by, you know, to, to, I had a very, very interesting discussion uh, with someone else and by psychological terms, Elon probably, probably wouldn't be an alpha. So there, there's different interpretations. I don't want to go by the, by the strict physical, uh, psychological terms because then he, he definitely wouldn't qualify as an alpha, but just talking about the audacity of on, of one's, decision-making capabilities, then he's, he certainly qualifies for what I deem uh, as an alpha. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. I, I think that um, really helps uh, our students understand the way that they need to you know, reorient the way they see these traits and take away the it's similar to honestly the backwards bicycle take out the biases and the the negativity that's been put there by society that's trying to push you into um, a different mold or a different direction and I, I know we're uh, heading towards the top of the hour um, yeah let's and do, certainly let's, have let's, some more questions let's do but... five or ten minutes longer because we had okay. to drop out okay perfect um so one of the things that you've pointed out in a lot of uh, the homeworks, and I have, I have another question about the culture, but it would take more than five or 10 minutes. Um, so I'll skip to this one. Uh, so uh, in so many of the, the homeworks, I can tell in the questions and, and you've even discussed before the importance of not seeing people who succeed as special by nature of their birth or, or, just a product of their their talent or innate uh, environment. Uh, and one of the things that you point out in the Steve Ballmer homework is that uh, Bill Gates really saw him as a suit. He was someone who wore a suit well and had um, some background in business. But 
didn't have a long CV, had certainly never led a tech company. Why is this a, um, a theme that you keep bringing up for our students in the academy? Why is that important to you? And what should we take from the fact that uh, Balmer was obviously massively successful, but got the job because he wore a suit well? Because many people think they have to have experience in a certain field because before they can do something in that field. And that's the thing which is also taught by the ed educational system. Before you can go into a specific field, you have to study that field in theory for four years. And then we tell you everything that's possible and everything that's not possible. So now you're perfectly brainwashed to just be an employee and to never actually do anything. And... You know, Nick Bellateri, the most successful tennis coach of all times, knew nothing about playing tennis. The CEO of Microsoft, one of the world's most successful companies ever, knew nothing about computers. So, by, uh, you know, I hope by giving you enough examples, you as a student understand that you don't have to know anything about anything to actually go out there and do something. And many times, and again, I love coming back to him. Elon Musk is a prime example of that. He knew nothing about launching rockets into space. Yet he founded a company which does exactly that and did it better than a company, which uh, a government institution who has been, or which has been around for probably 50 or 100 years and who, uh, where you might imagine that they by now would have figured out how to do it. And it's also the reason where, again, he knew nothing about electric cars or the car industry as a whole, yet he managed to surpass the company value of Ford, a company which has been around for 100 years. And in just 10 years, he made Tesla, I think worth 10 or 100 times more than what Ford is currently worth. So it's, it's very, very important to, that you do not need to know anything about the industry. All you need is confidence and you need to be able to learn super fast. But you do not learn by studying things in theory that might work for the mentors, for studying successful people. But to actually become a successful person, you will have to take action at some point. And that taking action part is something which is never underlined enough by the educational system and even by the self-development self uh, gurus out there. They are just interested in selling, selling you the next book, selling you the next course. And I've seen discussions in our server about books and so on. And I highly, highly encourage you to set a limit for yourself to at most read five books and then once you've read five books on whatever topic then you stop reading and you are never ever allowed to touch to touch a book ever again and now you go out there and now all you do is take action you do not read because reading to a very large extent is only intellectual entertainment and not something that is actually valuable there's so many people who have read hundreds of books, who have never done anything. And you do not want to be that guy. You want to be the one who has an idea of what he wants to do, 
where he wants to go. And then you just go out there, you try things, and eventually you will find your passion. And you will also have the advantage of not being held back by the things you think you know. Because there's a ton of people out there who think they know something, and that's why they don't do something. And it's very, very easy to, to say, oh, I know that doesn't work. I know creating an electrical car is impossible. And then you do some research and you find out the very first car that ever existed was an electric car. So we could have had electric cars for a very, very long time. But of course, again, this comes back to the incentives which are set in the world. The incentives have been set by the oil industry and they had very, very little, or they even had negative um, appreciation for potentially ever having an electric car. And this is something which they didn't want to turn into reality. And so no one was even bothering doing any research on actually having an electric car. And now Elon Musk comes around and I'm not one who, who likes Teslas or electric cars in itself. I'm, uh, a little bit old fashioned in that regard. But what he did is absolutely amazing. And there's nothing which makes him more excited than seeing people pull off things which are impossible. And it's also, you know, Christian, you mentioned how people make sense of success. And you will see that people who either are already successful themselves or who have high confidence that they will become successful, they look at your success or the success of other people very, very differently than someone who has already given up. Someone, you know, the, the average person out there is looking at whatever successful person and all they do is try to make sense of that, that person's success in a way which makes them more comfortable with their own misery. So they will, they will go back to statements like, oh, he just got lucky. Oh, he's just talented. And if you continue to study in the academy, you will notice that success does not have happen. Uh, success does not happen by accident. You can be as talented as you want to be. And there's, um, and I'm not sure if we, if we make this part of the academy, but if, if you, you know, start watching the TV series, The Last Dance, which is about Michael Jordan, if you start watching that, you will also see that there have been many, many, some, so, you know, some physically more capable players or some players who had maybe more talent, but Michael Jordan become the, became the icon and the best to ever play basketball because he was an absolute maniac in how he treated his training. He was there before the others. He trained longer than everyone else. And he was just an absolute maniac. So he definitely was not the most talented. He was not the most physically gifted, but he turned his career into success by sheer force of will. And that's literally what it comes down to. And it sounds esoteric. I, I know I've struggled with this for a very, very long time. When I, when I first started to like consider maybe becoming successful at some point in time, I could not comprehend that it all starts in the mind. It, it's very difficult to cross because, you know, you want like a step-by-step -step guide on how to do it. You know, a, a way where you don't have to 
actively think too much. You just want to, you know, because you're used to, by the educational system, you're used to, um, you know, from the concept of employees, you, you want to get something which tells you what to do and when to do it and how to do it. But that's just not how it works. It, it, it's really all about, it's just undoing the brainwashing, which you, which is put upon you by your socioeconomic environment, by the educational system, by mass media, by politics. Um, and it's, you, you know, currently you're, you're better off not knowing anything than thinking that you know something. So this is the, the long-winded answer. Yeah, no, I, I think that's um, actually really powerful for uh, our students in the academy. And, and it's something that I really, uh, what was the, change for me in my life in seeing it was these are not stories about people that you can never be these are stories about people who like you were not necessarily you know or like me was not necessarily born with the the perfect mentor we're not necessarily born with absolute just you know the the greatest talent right these are people who were born with some talents born with some abilities had some pluses and minuses but made it happen because they would not just to to connect with what you said earlier they would not accept failure as an option and Christian, this is going to happen i'm going to make it happen i I want to add something to that um because you made a very important statement and I'm, i'm going to um share more details about this once I, you know, once the phase three minutes over and once I have more time to set up my, my personal channels and my personal brand, you know, I shouldn't be here. You know, I should not be in the position I am today and I should not have achieved any success in life if I would just have been a victim to my circumstances or to the lack of a role model in my life and to my socioeconomic surroundings that there's zero chance that naturally I would have become successful. And I I don't consider myself that successful to be honest, but just for the sake of the argument, um, you know, even as a freelancer, I made in my very first year as a freelancer, I I knew nothing. I I just started something. And just because I, you know, I had high integrity and because I always did right by all of my clients, I made $100,000 in my year after dropping out of university. Or, you know, this happened somewhat simultaneously. But I made more money in my first year of thinking for myself than anyone of the people I studied with will ever make in any year of their career. So they studied five years, six years, some even more, and they were good in school and they were incredibly proud of them. And their parents were proud, and yet they maybe make $80,000 per year. And then they pay tax 40%, 60%, depending where you live. And then you end up with $40,000, $50,000 per year. And I mean, you're just, you're still poor. Like you, you went through all of that, all of the struggle, all of the brainwashing just to end up being poor. What's the sense of even doing that? And I, I could never ever make any sense of that, I, but I didn't knew how to break out of it. And the, you know, the best practical advice I can give is even the guys who have a nine to five job, you know, you're only working 40 hours per week. 
and I'm, I'm always, every single week, depending on how many meetings I have, I'm always working at least 80 hours. So, you know, even if you have a nine to five job, you still only have a half time job. You're not a full, you're not full-time employee. That's, that's also just society's brainwashing. Even if you have a full-time job by society's definition, you only are half-time employee. So you still have at least 40 hours per week. And all of this, and I know some people have family um, and you know other commitments, but it's a matter of priorities. Like every single person listening has plenty of time to do something on their own, to, to work on something on their own, which then allows them to slowly but surely transition into financial freedom and into freedom of thought because all, all of the, the people who are employees, you cannot even say what you think. You cannot go to your boss and tell him what you think. And to me, that's, I try not to swear, <laughs> to me, that's ridiculous. If, if you cannot say what you, what you think, then that inability to even speak freely is also going to influence your mind. Because if you cannot talk freely, then you also cannot think freely. And you will slowly but surely start falling into the, into the downward spiral where your thoughts are being controlled by your inability to talk. And all of this, again, goes back to having the wrong incentives set in place and, you know, by design, turning you into a slave. And this is something where the academy is going to play a crucial role in allowing you to break out of that way of thinking and it's going to be something which is going to spark fire in your life again because it's it's borderline impossible to be a passionate employee unless you you're unless you have a really really good leader unless you unless there's a big vision behind what you work for it's impossible to find any sense of pleasure in just being an employee and i i really really hope that everyone listening through the academy and you know through some of the materials which we provide that you guys find something in life which you can be passionate about and something that kindles or rekindles that fire in your belly or you know the the curiosity and the bodaciousness which you had as a child where you had big goals you had big dreams but all of that was washed away by society and by, by the educational system, maybe even your parents or your friends, you know, they all have certain expectations for you. And this starts as a, as a child, but even now, if you are in a circle of friends, or if you are close to your parents, they have certain expectations of you every single day. And these ex expectations make you behave a certain way. And even with your friends and with your family, I'm pretty sure that most of you can't even say in that environment what you truly think about everything. And it's super, super, it's an incredibly, it's an incredible feeling to be able to talk unfiltered around the people, uh, around um, people who respect you. And the people I'm currently around, they do respect me because I do not filter what I say. And I've, I've done the, you know, I've done that for a very, very long time. And that, you know, I, I call it a, a superpower, that superpower to say what you think and to think without boundaries 
that inevitably will cost you a lot of friends. It will cost you um, a lot of the people you know because they will not be able to make sense of your words. They will be offended and they will try to lower whatever goals you set in place. And I can, yeah, I, I can re really only just underline how important it is to curate your own reality. And you can only curate your own reality if you're extremely, extremely picky by who you surround yourself with. If you're extremely careful that you do not allow anyone else to censor your words and therefore not censor your thoughts. If you, and you know, pay attention to this in the next week, pay attention whenever you're in a conversation with you know, your superior or with a family member or a friend and you think something and you do not say it or you say it in a certain way just to not hurt their feelings or not to offend them. That's, that's really a disease. It's something which is incredibly harmful for yourself. And you might think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm now being polite, I'm being the nice guy, but it's super, super detrimental to your success. It's, it's really something very, very important to pay attention to. And you really have to be super careful about curating the, the people you're surrounded by and curating your words, your thoughts, and always coming back to, you know, and we might, ha we might have to do an another session on this, but always coming back to the way of how to frame things. This is being able to frame things properly for yourself and to make sense of things, even, even negative, negative things which happen to you. That's incredibly powerful. And it's, there, there's so many, I don't want to call them tricks because it's, you know, not the right word, but there's so many tools which you can use or maybe call them hacks. There's so many hacks which you can use which, which literally are going to turn things which you currently maybe think are annoying or difficult. They will turn those into fuel and you will be able to fuel certain superpowers and simply become an incredibly confident person who, who has no limits and cannot be held by anyone. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And um, thank you for the time today. Um, and I have a few more questions with uh, Steve, but they'll be uh, lengthier. So we may should save them until next time. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the, you know, the, the, the lesson about Steve Formas is a very important one, especially if you consider the way he carries himself, the way he talks. There's many, many learnings to take from this. And if you also look at the degree of energy which he has, and that's the that's the fuel and that's the fire in your belly which I was talking about. You know, work your way towards the Steve Ballmer homework and really pay attention to to how driven that guy is. And you know, and you know, we have many many young listeners. By your definition, this guy is old, but he has infinite more energy than you. I'm a hundred percent sure. There's not a single person in the audience which comes even close to the degree of energy that guy has. And to watch that and to understand that is incredibly important. And I've, I was lucky enough to actually feel that degree of energy and passion in person when I met Dan Pena. And it's literally life-changing to meet someone who is truly and genuinely that incredibly passionate about something, has such a high level of energy and 
then Pena particularly, I, I think at the time he was like 76 years old. I mean, you know, he could be my grandpa, right? But he, I mean, he is, he has so much energy. It's, it's, it's really mind blowing. And, you know, that goes back to surrounding yourself with the right people. And if you cannot do it in real life, at least for the time being, then do it, you know, in a, um, in a spiritual way that that's almost as powerful. It's really, really powerful. So, you know, please, please make use of, um, that hack that superpower it's really something which has an which is going to have a tremendous effect a tremendous positive effect on your life all right christian thank you very much for guiding us today it's always a pleasure having you and yes, sir. Um, you know again you guys have now um you send it to me you guys have um you have checked over 800 36 homework submissions. So the demand is absolutely incredible for the Academy and you guys are doing an absolutely amazing job. And I want to thank you, Christian. I want to thank Exeg and Raigai. You guys are really, really doing an amazing job and I can't wait for the Academy to grow, to become bigger, to add the next lessons and to keep you guys excited and learning and succeeding. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Christian. And thanks to you, thanks to you guys. Thank you for everyone joining and listening. Please, before you go, uh, I have to ask you again, please leave a retweet. Uh, please leave a like. We lost all of them when uh, we got rocked. But now we are back and I hope you guys enjoyed this session. And I'm very much looking forward to see you on Tuesday, 5 p.m. CET for one of the biggest and most exciting AMAs, which we will potentially ever have. So please be sure to show up. And then afterwards, I'm going to see you again on Sunday. And I want to thank you again very much. You guys are absolutely incredible. You make VVV one of the most exciting uh, places in the crypto space. And I cannot wait to achieve even more success with you guys. Thank you very much and talk to you next week. This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published, but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.